Well, it is. It is orange juice. I don't know if you want it or not. You might not. You might wait. You might not want it. Why? Because it's old. It's out of date. It's disgusting. Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I was, I was, I, I got this out of the refrigerator and it's out, it's out of date. And uh, Lindsay was up here and she goes, you know, that orange juice is a little bit lumpy, Dad. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, and she goes, I don't think that's any good. You know, that's not any good, Dad. And I said, yeah, I, I know, Lindsay, I know it's not any good. She goes, it doesn't look any good, Dad. And I said, I understand, Lindsay, it's, I got a reason for this. She argued with me as what she was. What? That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. She keeps at it. She's not going to be our favorite anymore. But anyway, she will always be our favorite, but don't tell the other kids. But anyway, so this has some orange juice and it's just a little bad. Just, just, it's probably mostly good, but there's just a little bit of bad in it. And it's probably turns a little bit, but if, if it's got just a little bad in it, it's probably all right, isn't it? No, really? Because it can still make you sick. Just with a little bit of bad turned in it, it can make you sick. It says right here that it's gone out of date and that there's bad in there. And so sometimes when we're... Have you ever done anything bad? Done anything you shouldn't have done? That's right. You're all... Good. Everybody's telling the truth this morning. And when we do bad, it just kind of ruins everything, doesn't it? And I think sometimes we think, well, if I have a little bit of bad in my life, it's, it's going to be okay. But the truth of the matter is, when we sin, it has a way of changing everything in our life and to where everything that's in us just isn't quite right. And so this is just turned, but it's still bad, isn't it? Yeah. So how in the world would we ever make this right again? How can we ever make this? What if I went to... This is called Orchard, Orchard Dean, it's called Dean's Country Fresh. So what if I went to Dean's Country Fresh and I said, looky here, I've got this orange juice and it's gone bad. And uh, the, it's probably the inside of the jug's probably bad and, and I don't know what to do. And, and if I went to Dean's Country Orchard and he said, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what we do. We'll pour all of this orange juice out and we'll wash the inside of this jug really, really good. And then we'll put that other orange, that old orange juice back in it. Would that fix it? No. That wouldn't fix it, would it? No. That wouldn't fix it. Would you drink it after, even though it's a clean jug, but it's still the same old stuff, isn't it? And I think sometimes we think that when we come to Jesus that he cleans us all up, but we can still keep doing the same old things that we used to do. But that doesn't change anything, does it? Do you know what Jesus wants to do to you? He wants to take and pour out all the old junk and he wants to clean the inside of you. And he doesn't want the old stuff to come back in. He wants to put brand new. He says he wants to fill you with himself. Do you think Jesus is clean? Yes. He's absolutely clean. His spirit is clean. He is always clean. And that's what he seeks to do in our lives. And sometimes there's going to be someone come along and say, well, I remember you, I remember you, you had that old nasty orange juice in you. And you can say, yeah, that was me. That was me. I used to have that old orange juice, that old bad stuff in me. But I went back to the place and it got me all cleaned out 
And I didn't put that old stuff back in. I was filled with God's Holy Spirit. And you know, kids, God wants to do that. I think sometimes kids think, and maybe sometimes we give you the impression that God wasn't, doesn't want to do anything. That you're, have you ever, has your mom and dad ever said, you're too little to do this? No. Has your mom never told you that? Yes. Well, sometime, someday they will, yeah. Someday they will. You're going to want to do something, and you're, maybe you're going to want to ride a ride at a, at a uh, amusement park or something, and they'll say, you're too little. Have you ever been told that? Well, sometimes people will say, well, because of what you did way back when, God can't use you now. But I want you to know that's not true. That God wants to take and clean us on the inside. And he doesn't fill us back up with the old stuff that we did before. He wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we can be used again. Okay, I want to pray for you this morning. Then I want you to sit back down. Lord, we love you. Father, I pray for each one of these kids. And Father, I pray that in their lifetime, and some of them I'm sure it's already happened, but I pray that it would continue. I pray that they would continue to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I pray that they would have such an experience with God as a, as a young person that they would be changed forever. That as when, from little kids to the time that they pass on into eternity, Lord, I pray that they would follow you all the days of their lives. And Father, I pray that over these kids right now. I pray that they would experience you in such a way that they would never leave you. And we love you, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you, kids. You can just stay up here with me if you want to. I'm just joking. Turn your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 9. And this is the story of Paul's conversion. And Paul was probably someone that people looked at and saw the orange juice in his life and said, there's no way that God can ever use that guy. He is too far gone. He's been too bad. There's too many things he's done. All these things are going to stick with him. and He's never going to change. And Satan always is telling us that stuff. Satan's always in our ear telling us all the things that we've done, all the things that we're, where we've been, telling us what we're not good at, telling us what we can't do. And Paul does not listen to him. And I want this morning, I want to just, uh, just listen to this for just a minute. Let's all stand. We're going to start reading in verse 10. And Paul, Saul, has already had this experience where he's seen Jesus, he's heard Jesus' voice, he's been blinded, and he's on his way to Damascus. In Damascus, and they're getting ready to tell him, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered, and the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now Ananias knows who Saul is. Saul is the number one enemy against the church. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports. Like he's telling God something. He's trying to tell God something here that God doesn't know. Apparently God's 
this has got past God somehow. He doesn't know what's going on, so he's going to inform him. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on his name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placed his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, see his, his tone has changed. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his seat, his strength. Let's pray. Lord, today, Father, Satan is a liar, and he tells us stuff over and over and over again. But your word says that no matter where we've been or what we've done or what has happened in our lives, You can take us and clean us and fill us with your Holy Spirit and accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. And Father, today I pray that if there's someone here who is discouraged, who is thinking that uh, they can be of no use for you, that that their due date has passed, that they're out of date, that they're too far gone, that it just can't be changed for them. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would speak your truth into their heart. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here and over the age of 17 or 18, you've probably filled out a job application at one time or another. And uh, at the top of the job application, there's the easy stuff, your name, your address, and things like that. And most of the time, that's the pretty easy stuff. You can figure out what your name is, and you know where your address is. And if you have trouble with that, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have trouble in life. But after you fill that part out, it starts getting a little bit harder. And you feel pretty good once you got your name and address done, but then there starts asking questions. And, and sometimes as you're answering these questions, you feel like, maybe I'm not really qualified for this job. I got on the Google this week and I, I punched in a search to uh, find out stupid things that put people put on their job application. And there's a whole website dedicated to this. And so I, I, I wrote some of them down and there was a question on the application that says, reasons for applying. What is your reason for applying? And these are some of the things they wrote. Unemployment wants proof that I'm seeking a job. The unemployment office wants proof that I'm seeking a job. Uh, they had a place there that says, what is your objective? It says, I have, I would, I'm seeking a career on the information supper highway. They misspelled the word there. The next one was, I am looking for a career proof, re- I'm looking for a proofreading position. And they spelled proof, P-R-O-F-F. I don't know whether they're going to get a proofreading. 
Let's ask what your attributes are. What are some of your attributes? I have a strong work ethic. I have attention to detail. I'm a team player. I'm a self-motivator. I have attention to detail again and again. I prefer a fast-paced, P-A-S-T-E, work environment. I offer mediocrity at its best. These people, this is, I mean, this is on real live applications. Previous experience. In my youth, I was a thief, a drug dealer, an internet hacker. So I know I would be an expert policeman. <laughs> then it said, what is the size of your current employer? And it said, six foot five. <laughs> Qualifications. I do an excellent triceratops impersonation. My twin sister has an accounting degree. That's my qualification. My twin sister has an accounting degree. I'm trained in CPR and harassment. This is, I like this one. I'm bilingual in three languages. <laughs> Took you a while. <laughs> anyway. Wyatt, I'll tell you after church what that means. I have a fast metabolism, and I'm good at picking locks. Reasons for leaving your last job. This is my favorite. Man, this is where we live. Having to be at my job at a certain time made no sense to me. Isn't that the way it is? I mean, they stopped serving chips in the cafeteria, so I quit. Now, there's some real things. Now, those are some real things that people put on a job application and we laugh at them but sometimes if we're honest when we fill those things out or things like that we don't feel qualified sometimes in life and sometimes when God comes to us and says this is what I have for you if we're really honest God speaks into our lives and we say you know we say you know I really don't feel like I'm qualified for this God asks you to do something or speak to someone or say a word into someone's life or to say a word into your kid's life or to take your family and say, okay, family, this is the way we're going to go. This is what God has for us. This is the direction we have, I have for you. And we say, God, I can't do that. Don't you remember the way I used to be? Don't you remember the way I am? Don't you understand what's going on? And we ask God and he says, yes, I understand. It's sort of like Ananias. We we come to God and we start mentioning the things that we think that he doesn't know, but he already knows them. He thinks he's going to tell God something about Saul that he doesn't know. I'm sure, God, that you've just somehow, this has come under the radar, but Saul kills Christians. And God goes, I know all about it. I got this. I got this. We feel underqualified. We feel lacking in skill. We feel like that orange juice jug back there. We feel like our expiration date has come and gone. And we come to God and, and we know that He knows us and we, and we know that He knows what we've done and said and He knows the problems that we've uh, had. And God doesn't have a place. And we think this, God doesn't have a place for someone like me. He can do things in other people's, but I don't think God has a place for me. I don't think there's a place in his kingdom for me. I don't think there's something that I can do in his kingdom. I don't know if there's anything I'm qualified to do in his kingdom. But in God's word, there's lots of people who were extremely 
unqualified that he chose. This morning I'm going to talk about two of them. We've already mentioned one, Paul. We talked about Wednesday night, Peter. Peter was the one who uh, God chose to bring the gospel to the Jews. Paul, he chooses to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul writes most of the New Testament. But I want you to look at their qualifications. Peter, if he had to fill out a job application, ask what you were successful, were you successful at your last job? His last job was a fishing job. And if you look many times when, when Peter is fishing, he's not very good at it. There's many times that he's there and they haven't caught anything all night. Two times that they haven't caught anything all night. And Jesus speaks and changes that. But he is a very unsuccessful fisherman. He speaks too much when he shouldn't. He spends most of his time in the first part of the Gospels with his foot in his mouth. He's the only person that I've seen in Scripture where God literally says, you need to be quiet. He says, be quiet. And it's not, I mean, Jesus doesn't tell him that. God speaks out when they're on the mountain there. And he, Peter's just like, we need to do something. And God says, you know, you need to be quiet. So he always puts his foot in his mouth. And, but in a crisis situation, he will let you down every time. When it comes time for you to really stand up in a crisis situation, when he should stand up for Jesus, he denied him three times. So he has really no qualifications whatsoever. That's where Peter stands, very unqualified. And Paul isn't much better. In fact, Paul may be the worst. He holds the coats for those who stone the high people in the church. While Stephen's one of the most righteous men that ever walked and is part of the new church, uh, Paul says, look, if you guys want to stone him, I'll hold your coats while you're doing it. He puts Christians in prison He has set his mind that he is going to stop Christianity. You think that today in our news media and in the way that the world talks and the things that people say against the church, we think that is bad. And we say, how can people be so hateful towards Christianity? Paul was the worst of the worst. He was looking for any way he could to stop this thing that was going He was the number one public enemy of the first century church, and his goal was to completely stop them. And both of these guys have let God down. Not a little, but a lot. And we don't have to look, and and, and we can all identify them. We don't have to look very far into our past to find a place where we have let God down or where we felt unqualified. And if we stay there, Satan will continue to speak into our ear. And he won't say just one thing, but he just continues wherever he feels like he can get a foothold. And this morning I'm just going to speak about three things that Satan will say to you to try to get you to this place where you feel like that God can't use me. God doesn't want me, not after what I've done. And that's one of the first Satan things that Satan says. God doesn't want me. God doesn't want you. Don't you remember what you did? God doesn't want you. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him. And he warned him. And Peter did it anyway. Peter said, not going to do it. But he did it anyway. Wasn't prudent. But he did it. He said, why, do you do, why did Jesus do warning for that? And, and he warns him and he does it anyway. But that's who Jesus picks. He picks the unqualified. Moses was a murderer. Moses was a murderer. Rahab 
was a prostitute. Matthew was a tax collector that everybody hated. And those are the people that, P- that Jesus picks. And I'm sure these guys were reminded of their past all the time. And Satan is so good at reminding us of our failures. And if Satan forgets, our friends are always there to come alongside, aren't they? Aren't people wonderful? They're always there to come alongside and willing to show the light on your darkest hour. I can imagine that when Paul first gets up, and it says that it wasn't too long after he was, had this experience with Jesus that he came in and began to preach in the synagogue. I imagine that when Paul stood up and walked up to the front, I guarantee you there were people who stood up and walked out and reminded him of his past. They said, I don't want to hear what you got to say. You're not qualified. Satan is always, always there to remind us of how we let God down. And Paul understood that as well. Another excuse that Satan gives us to not do what God would have us to do, we always have this excuse, and this is one of our favorite, I'm just not quite ready yet. I've been listening to God, and I've been listening to what He says, and and I hear Jesus calling me to follow Him, and I know that I should, but I just want to study it just a little bit longer. I'm not quite ready yet. And, And it sounds so... It sounds so uh, uh, humble, doesn't it? I I would really like to follow Jesus, but I'm just not quite ready yet. I think I need to study the Scriptures just a little bit more. I think I need a little more information on who He is. And it sounds so sensible, this excuse that Satan gives us, you're not quite ready yet. Paul wasn't ready. Paul was not ready to do what he did. But the Word says that as soon as God changed him, as soon as he had this meeting with Jesus, that he jumped in and started doing what God had called him to do. I want to, I want to tell you this morning, you will never be ready to do what God asks you to do because he never asks you to do what you think he's going to ask you to do. You never have enough school. You never have enough life experience because God never asks us to do things that we could do by ourselves. He asks us to do things that we can't do by ourselves. He asks us to move out on faith and to, and to listen to Him and to just say yes. To just do it. My little granddaughter, Kendra, is, is learning to read. And she can read. She can't, can't read gobs of things, but she can read some things. And we were in a Nike store down at Branson the other day. And, and she said to Cindy, she goes, Nanny? What is just do it? What does that mean? And that's a, of course, that's a Nike thing, but I think sometimes God just says, just do it. Just do what I've asked you to do. I know you're you're worried about your past and (coughs) you're worried about what's happened, but just do it. And the third reason that people put off what God wants to do in their life, it's not my time. God asked me years ago to do something, and I didn't do it. And that was my time. That was my time years ago, and, and I didn't do what God wanted me to do. And so that time has come and gone, and so I, I didn't there. I missed my chance. 
There was a time when I knew I should have done something with my kids. There was a time that, that they were home and I should have did something with them, but I didn't do it. And so now that time is gone and, and I don't have any more influence with my kids. I want you to know that that's a ridiculous lie from Satan. You might not think that you have influence on your kids, but I want you to know you never quit having influence on your kids. That time is never over. Your influence may change, but you always have influence on your kids. I've missed my chance. My marriage has gone too far. God can't make it right again. It's too late. I've missed my chance. Maybe you see yourself this morning like that gallon of orange juice. I'm out of date. Pastor, I've served in the church for years and years, and, and I'm old. My date has come and gone. You ever notice that when you have a gallon of milk, if, if it's in date, you look at it and you go, man, you look at it and it has all this hope in it. My wife is a cereal eater. She loves cereal. And if I've got a gallon of milk that's in date, I mean, she does not, if it gets close to the out date, she's done. But if it's in the end date, I mean, it's, she, she looks at that gallon of milk and it looks like a great bowl of cereal to her. She doesn't drink milk. She don't do anything with it, but it's a great bowl of cereal. And some of you might look at your life and think, you know, back when I was in my prime, back when I was young, back when I was in date, I would have been a great bowl of cereal. I would have been a great help to God back then. I would have been a great snack to have been eaten with an Oreo cookie. I would have been great, but my, my date has come and gone. And I want you to know this morning, folks, especially in the older generation, that is a lie straight from Satan this morning. You never get to the place to where you cannot be used of God. I went and seen Mike Detherow when he was, he was 100 years old. He was almost 101 years old. He could not move. He was in the bed and he was bedridden and he could not get up. And I went in there and I spoke to him and I said, Mike, can I... Can I pray with you? And he would light up. And I would start praying and Mike would just start in with me and he'd just, oh yes, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. He'd just pray. Now you might look at Mike and say, of course now he has passed on. But he never went out of date. You never go out of date with Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is filled in you and in you and the Holy Spirit is in you, you never go out of date. You never get to a place where you cannot be used by God. You never get in a place where you can't speak into someone's life, when you can't speak truth into someone's life. And you never get to a place where the church doesn't need you. You're never too old. And there's always plenty of excuses not to follow Jesus. We've all failed, we've all messed up, we've all dishonored God, and we've all missed opportunities. We've had chances to testify to someone or to tell them about the good news of Jesus, but we didn't do it. So we don't qualify. I'm not good enough. But I want you to know this morning that God makes us and equips us. God makes us something new. When he cleans us out, he fills us up with his spirit. He makes us something new. And then he equips us to do the work that he asks us to do. And this morning, 
I think there's probably some people here because I know that God, that Satan does this to everybody. He does this to me. He speaks into our ear and he whispers into our ear, you're not good enough. You're not qualified. Remember what you did. Your time is over. He does that to everybody, no matter how old they are or how young they are. When they're little, when kids are little, Satan will say, you're not big enough. You, you shouldn't speak to your uh, teacher at, church, at school or your, your friends at school about who I am. You're not big enough. One day you'll be big enough. And then the day when you're big enough, he'll tell you you're too old. Or he'll tell you, remember what you did? You know, you remember how you spoke to your friend and, and now you're going to tell them about Jesus? They're not going to listen to what you say. Well, you know, they're probably right. You're never too young. You're never too old. And Satan never stops. But you have to listen to what Jesus says in your life. I want to encourage you this morning, young ones, little kids. God wants to speak in you and through you. Teenagers. God wants to speak in you and through you. Parents with kids at home and teenagers are home and maybe the kids are out of your house god wants to speak in you and through you and it's never too late you say well i missed my chance i missed my chance with my kids i missed my it's never too late it's never too late and no matter what satan says in your life or whispers in your ear no matter how unqualified you are or what you've done or where you're at god says This is what I have for you, and I can do it. To our elderly folks, your date is not up. You cannot look at your life and say, well, I was pretty good up until 70, or pretty good until I was up till 80, or whatever it was, but but now I'm no use to the kingdom anymore. I'm going to tell you what, if you're still sucking oxygen, well, carbon dioxide, if you're sucking in carbon dioxide and blowing, no, that's what it is, sucking in oxygen. Uh, if you're sucking in oxygen and blowing out carbon dioxide, God's still got a plan for you. God's still got something he wants to do in you. God's still got something that he wants to happen in your life. But you just have to say yes to him and you have to say no to the lies of Satan. I want our praise group to come up this morning. We're going to sing a song that we sang this morning during worship. He talks about, I've seen him do wonderful things and I want to see him do it again. And I think sometimes in our lives we, there were times when we were really serving God and really doing what he wanted us to do and and maybe that kind of died down and we feel like maybe our time is up or whatever. I got, I, I served you then, but I, I've kind of stepped away and I'm not doing that anymore. And, and I guess maybe that time is gone. I'm going to tell you what, God wants to do something in you again. He wants to speak into your life again. Maybe there's a time when you say, man, I was really following God and doing what he wanted me to do. And, and I've just... I've just kind of, Pastor, I've just kind of slowed down and I just, I'm not where I was. God wants to work in you again.
Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus today and you're hearing him right now. Satan is just speaking into your ear. I want you to stand right now. And right now, Satan's speaking into your ear and he's saying, God knows all those things you've done. He don't have any use for you. God knows what you've done. God knows what you've said. God sees everything and you are not qualified for what he's calling you to do. I want you to know this morning, that's a lie from Satan. We're just opening up the altars and I just want you to, if you just need to come and pray this morning, come and pray. If his word has spoke to your heart this morning, come and pray. If the song has spoke to your heart this morning and you need to pray, come and pray. Lindsay sang a wonderful song this morning that was awesome. If that song spoke to your heart and you feel like you need to pray this morning, come and pray. Avery and Colin sang a song this morning. If that song spoke to your heart and you say, I need to pray, God, I just want to be where you want me to be. I don't want to listen to what Satan is speaking in my life anymore. God, no matter that I'm not qualified, I'm going to say yes to you and just do what you want me to do. That's all it is this morning, just saying, yes, God, do it again, whatever it is in my life. We're going to sing this song. We're just going to be in a mode of worship. If you'd like to come and pray, the altars are open this morning as we sing.